Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Andrew, also known as the Cashflow King, joining us on this Monday. NFT Tones is here as well. We got Johnny Crypto joining us later in the episode, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Charles Hoskinson believes Cardano will become the largest cryptocurrency on the planet, setting how their governance protocols could become the backbone of our new digital system. Biometrics and cryptocurrency are quickly emerging technologies, as new data reveals these technologies have been worked on since the 1990s. Ripple has received a payment license in 31 states in the United States, as BlackRock is working with India to launch a private CBDC, potentially opening the floodgates for crypto utility. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how 2025 could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Andrew Cashel, this is a pretty exciting episode today because we have a lot to get into, but specifically a Mark Yusko video from Friday acknowledging XRP and the potential that the elites are involved. But first of all, how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. Yeah, good. Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, uh, welcome to the show here in uh, from the Netherlands. Um, yeah, you know, had a great weekend again. We went to Germany and actually we went to the Blast Furnaces. There you see the Weird Shops Wunder in Germany, and I visited it. It's, it's amazing. And if you see, saw an evolution of technology there just after World War II, I think we will see the same evolution of technology in blockchain and, uh, and crypto. So uh, let, let's go for this show. It will be a fantastic show. Absolutely, Andrew. And we got NFT Tones joining us from his mansion as well. First of all, give a shout out to Johnny Crypto, my friend. But how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Yo, shout out to Johnny Crypto for being the man like always. Um, it's fantastic to be here. I'm a bit tired, definitely. I've been working all night getting stuff done for my own business, but fantastic to be here. I'm excited. Let's blow up the show today and send it off with fireworks. Absolutely, guys. And we already got 190 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready for an exciting episode. We're going to get this thing started by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. I'm on here giving updates throughout the day. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We're always talking to you there. When we look at our Bitcoin fear and greed index, we're sitting at a 35. But as we move into the daily movers, it is fairly red across the board. We've got Hex token up about 9%. CRV up about 5% and XDC up about 3.6%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.05 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,100. Ethereum, 1648. Uh, XRP sitting here at 52 cents and Cardano sitting at 26. And guys, for our Cardano holders this morning, it's a pretty exciting episode because Charles Hodgkinson was making the case for why ADA could become the largest cryptocurrency on the planet. We're going to be debating that today. Was it a marketing campaign or was Charles speaking some truth? But this is a place I'd love to start the episode because Mark Yusko joined our show last Friday with Fox Business reporter Eleanor Tourette. 
And we got the privilege of asking him about XRP. And I think Mark is slowly coming around. He's having a change of heart here. So I'm going to play this video and we'll discuss it. Here we go. So the positive spin on this, it's interesting. I'm making this up in real time. The positive spin on this is if I'm the Rothschilds and BIS, and you can put WEF in here too, but but let's just, just to keep it clean for now. And I see Bitcoin happen. And I see decentralization happen. I need to fight back. Well, what history has shown us is Rothschilds don't fight fair. They get armed better than their competition and they win. They're kind of undefeated. And so uh, this is very interesting. So if they, pretty smart people, had a chance to look out at the available options and they chose XRP as opposed to Ethereum or, or something similar, hmm, there's information content there. That, that's interesting to me. And so, Andrew, just to preface why Mark gave this response, I just broke down a document where the Rothschilds Investment Trust owns about a, a big percentage of SBI. And SBI is directly invested in Ripple. They own about 8% of Ripple's company. So Mark was shocked to find out that even people like us can see the Rothschilds and Ripple. There's a third-party connection there. It wasn't that hard to figure it out. But what do you think? Do you think Mark Yusko is slowly coming around? And if the elites were to choose a currency, wouldn't it be safe to assume that XRP fits all the qualifications? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Mark Yosko, he's, he is not a dumb guy. Uh, he, he knows what he is. And is, is he making it up? I don't think so. But let's let's go back to the, to the Rothschilds. I mean, that, that, that's a family for already, uh, I think, centuries. And they understand what is investing. They understand also what is risk diversification. So it would wonder me if they would not be invested, not only in XRP, but also in Ethereum, in Bitcoin and several other major cryptos. Then they also diversify into smaller, promising cryptos. So don't, don't make this up. Uh, these people know what they are doing and they, they have a perfect like, diversification uh, uh, strategy. And XRP is for sure a part of that, uh, of that strategy. Well, the topic of our episode, Andrew, is going to be Charles Hoskinson making the case for Cardano being a dominant global currency. We're going to be making the case for why XRP is much more likely than Cardano. But Tones, we already got 252 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. What we're showing our listeners right now is the XRP price chart. And what everyone was shocked to experience after the lawsuit was just a run to about 80 cents. And this exchange right here is showing a spike all the way to about 90 two cents after the lawsuit but what have we seen massive red candle and correspondence here tone so with all the news happening around xrp people are often asking why is the price chart stagnant i think mark yusko just broke it down guys if anybody's going to get involved in the market the first thing they do is lower the prices so they can get in at better rates what do you think tones do you agree with yusko yeah i mean of course i mean if you really think about it they started talking about crypto in 1983 so I mean, could this whole, could everything be planned? I mean, generally when it comes to the big boys, how I think about things is they always plan things out years in advance. So 
this stuff could have been planned out in 1990 and whatnot, and it's just taking action now. So, and to going back to the price, I mean, depending, it really depends. Like, so we're not in a bull market and it kind of limits what we can see on price action, right? If we were in a bull market, I could see XRP going to two, $3, right? I mean, it all depends on the type of market we're in. And right now with how everything is, I mean, it's just something that we should have expected. Now, I mean, 80, 90 cents is still fantastic. And I mean, after a run like that, we know all the big boys, everybody's going to sell so that then they can try to get back in cheaper, like you said, ads, so that then they, they can try to get more money off the next runoff. Oh, definitely, Tones. And we're showing the XRP price chart right now where we're breaking, we're reaching a point where we are seeing a correspondence. The, the RSI and the moving averages are getting to a breaking point where it looks like we have no choice but to start trending bullish. And with this XRP lawsuit behind us, finally, we can begin to see American adoption. And this was an article I'm excited to show our listeners as Ripple is solely holding payment licenses in 31 states out of 50. Now we're going to scroll down to this document right here, and I'm going to pull it up for our listeners because what I found interesting about this document is that in America, 40% of the country lives in three states. Those states are Texas, California, Florida, and New York. And sorry, that was four states. So 40% of America lives in four states. And unfortunately, guys, none of those four states are on this payment license uh, sheet right here. Now, there are some other big names. We're looking at a couple of big states here. We got New Mexico, Dakota, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island. Now, Rhode Island is tiny, but they are progressive. So, Andrew, broadly, I'd like to get your opinion. As we're looking at the payments license approval for Ripple, a lot of people are sitting here waiting for utility, but over 40% of American citizens are not living in an approved residential area. So what do you think? Is this big news or is this just another headline during a bear market? No, 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 no. I, well, I, you know, I always look at things from the positive side. Just turn it around. You say 40% is not on the list. So 60% is on the list. That's more than half. And, and so many states, you, 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 there is just the momentum is coming. And, and they are already more halfway. So I can only be optimistic. And you know, you don't eat an elephant in one bite. It is bite after bite, and there, that's what you go. So I see it as, uh, I see this as positive. Is it also a little bit hype? Of course, it is hype. Absolutely, everything, every news article is hype. Why? Because you want people to read your your news article. And, but but still, it it is it is not a lie. It is it is true. It is it's correct, and it, it is a good uh, it is a good uh, progression into a, a worthy ideal. It's, Andrew, it's, we've seen a couple of states actually outlaw central bank digital currencies. So what do you think is preventing some of these states from adopting Ripple's technology? You could have claimed the SEC lawsuit just a couple of months ago, but with that thing behind us, what's really preventing approval in, in 19 other states? What it is preventing? I think education. Education and, and confidence and trust. And so um, that, that's what we also saw yeah, a couple of years ago. People have no idea what, what, they, what they are talking about. And that's coming over the, over the months and the years. And more and more people start understanding what is, what is, what is crypto, what is, uh, what is blockchain, and wh why is it such a fantastic te technology. So, you know, just wait. We are also contributing to, the, to, to this narrative. We are also educating people. The more people are educated for this new technology, uh, you know, we have seen it with... with 
when cars came in the streets, when the telephone came, and when the mobile phone came, I still remember when the mobile phone came, the people said, I don't need the mobile. I, I have a phone at home. I don't need a phone. I don't want to be reachable all day. And now we are all, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we all have, have a problem with leaving this phone go. So, you know, it will come there step by step. And when we look back a couple of years from now, we will say, wow, that went fast. NFT Towns, this is a great article for our listeners as well. As Charles Hoskinson believes that Cardano will become the biggest cryptocurrency in the world, serving as a backbone for the new digital nation. Now, of course, Charles is the founder of Cardano here, guys. So take everything with a grain of salt. It's like the MoneyGram article we showed you last week. Stellar stated that they're going to be promoting blockchain technology overall, but the reality is money talks and BS walks, Andrew. They're going to be talking about Stellar in those meetings. And Charles, to no surprise, is talking about his cryptocurrency here. So the CEO, Charles Hoskinson, stated he has a strong feeling that Cardano will be the leading cryptocurrency of the future. He stated this during a keynote that took place at a Denver event this year. He said people are scared of decentralized governance because they view it as something that takes away. But I've never believed in that. I think if you give people a chance to rise up and show you who they are, what they can do, they will do amazing things. So that's our challenge at Cardano. And that's why I feel like our currency is probably going to become the largest cryptocurrency in the world. The Cardano founder stated the smart contract platform also has potential to replace out-of-date parts of societal infrastructure, like voting in any banking system. He said, I think it's going to become more than cryptocurrency. He's referring to Cardano here specifically. I think it's going to become the backbone of a digital nation, a new society, a place where people can finally begin to trust each other again, and a place where we do our voting, a place where our money lives, a place where our digital life lives in every dimension and aspect of it because we deserve that. Now, there was another quote that I want to read before I kick it to you, Andrew, where Charles was doubling down on a truth system as opposed to a trust system. And we've heard Mark Yusko say those exact same words. He said, I think Cardano is going to become the digital backbone of a new digital society, a place where people can finally begin to trust each other again and move away from don't be evil to can't be evil. So a lot of information there, a lot of personal bias when it comes to Cardano. But do you think that they actually have better governance protocols than some of their competitors like Ethereum? Um, no, no. I mean, and, and I, I was listening to you now and then I think, you know what, just replace the name Cardano for something else. And I know I maybe sound a little bit negative, but I try to be realistic. Just replace the name for something else. Uh, and let's, let me put it a little bit in perspective, the, the Cardano. Um, if we look at, at Cardano, it went down from the all-time high, 91%. You know, that was uh, uh, from one half year ago, two years ago. Ethereum went down 81%, but it's now only down 61, uh, 66% from that all-time high. Same figures we see more or less at, at, at Bitcoin. Uh, uh, even uh, uh, XRP did also more or less the same. And if you then see that uh, ADA uh, compared to, uh, to, to Ethereum is 20 times smaller. It is 56 times smaller than Bitcoin. It's only three times smaller than, than XRP. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I like uh, Charles Hoskinson very much. And I like also to promote his coin because I'm also a holder of, uh, of ADA, but also try to put it in perspective. And uh, that's, yeah, 
do not do based on what we tell here. Do not think, you know, now we need to go full, full blown into Cardano because that's not the case. Just diversify, see what happens and, uh, and, and wish, uh, wish Charles also the best for his project because he is a very knowledgeable guy and I highly respect him. I mean, I, I believe that Cardano definitely has some kind of future. Uh, I mean, if you look at everything uh, Charles Hopkins is doing, it's, it's kind of really important to pay attention to. I mean, he's really trying to say that Cardano has the potential for the scalability and uh, interoperability, suggesting that it could surpass Bitcoin and ETH. I don't think he's saying that it absolutely will. I think that at this rare Evo 2023 event, he was focusing on the transformative capabilities beyond being a cryptocurrency. And he emphasized that decentralized currency, uh, or he emphasized decentralized governments rather than being a detractor. And that has the potential to empower individuals to achieve remarkable feats. And so I really think that Hodgkin's Views on Cardano's uh, or is a challenge as demonstrating the positive uh, outcomes that can arise from decentralized governments. And this will lead him to believe that Cardano could become or be very prominent in the cryptocurrency globally. It's an interesting time for sure, but we're seeing some personal bias here. It's undoubtable when it comes to Cardano. A lot of the features that he's describing are applicable to other blockchains, Andrew, and a couple of them. Are, are, are much better than Cardano, if I'm being quite frank. One of the things we're going to be discussing later in the episode is how BitBoy Crypto exited his own show. And I, I'm going to save this for the end of the show because it's not really that important. It's more of a fun article. But before we get into all that content, here's a brand new video from the VP of Corporate Strategy at Ripple. And this is from yesterday. She's discussing how blockchain and crypto payments are two or three years it's going to be the tipping point for mass adoption. And we already got 301 live listeners here. Show some love. Smash that like button. And this is a video explaining exactly why our listeners are very unique. 2016, so it's been almost seven years. Not as quite long as uh, Eric, but uh, it's me. I agree, totally agree. It's a quite a journey uh, today. Uh, so Ripple is a leading provider of enterprise blockchain software uh, and solutions. Uh, including cross-border payments and crypto liquidity and CBDCs. Well, I want to answer the question by <laughs> sharing some key insights and the data points from the blockchain payments report we just co-published with U.S. Pastor Payments Council just last month. Uh, it's available on Ripple's website, so please check it out. But for that report, we... Really quickly, I just want to preface what she said right there is Ripple collaborated with the U.S. Faster Payments Council and put a new report on their website. We did show that report last week, but I thought it was important to reiterate. Surveyed about 300 payment professionals across 45 different countries and to really understand the current adoption of blockchain payments and also the benefits and challenges as well. And what's really encouraging is 100% of the respondents agree that there are definitely benefits of using blockchain and crypto in payments. And 97% of respondents said they believe that blockchain and crypto will play a significant role in transforming payment in the next three years. So, And what gets me so excited here, Andrew, she talked about it. The next three years are going to be pivotal for blockchain infrastructure and the evolution of payments. 100% of the people who uh, participated in Ripple's trial with the U.S. Faster Payments Council stated that there undoubtedly improves what they're doing. 
Crypto is not only essential, it's the number one transformative technology for these banks. And finally, we're seeing a lot of these conversations become public. So do you agree with her before I play the end of this? The next two or three years is going to be the tipping point for mass adoption. Um, yes, I think she is right. Two or three years is, is actually in crypto world is a long time. However, do not mix this up with price. I mean, we are heading, at least if we follow the four-year cycle, we are heading to a bottom. And I'm, I'm sure if we go in that bottom for, 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 for Bitcoin, uh, the, the altcoins also will, will follow. Uh, and then we will have a drop again. But the, the work, those engineers, they, they still keep working on new, uh, on, on new implementations and new applications and, and implementation. So uh, that, that's not the same, but I agree with her that uh, yeah, we will make major steps. And especially if you look back several years yeah, from this moment, if you see where we are now and where we are standing, where we were standing several years ago, we already made major steps. You know, so just yep. ex extrapolate that technology steps, but the sentiment and the price and, and that that is a different cycle. That that's what I want to also want to uh, uh, yeah explain to the to the to the listeners here. Thank hey, you, Andrew. And we got the Italian stallion joining us. First of all, Johnny, thank you for being here on this Monday. How you feeling? I see you rocking the Merlin gear. I forgot my Merlin gear on this Merlin Monday, but shout out to the company. How you feeling? And then I got a great clip to show you. Uh, first of all, good morning to uh, Andrew Tones and all the other Warrior Maniacs out there. You as well. Abs, as you can tell, Abs, I've been so busy. Abs, I don't have time to shave right now. It's been incredibly crazy trying to get Merlin off the ground, talking to customers and doing what you got to do to launch it. So, uh, yeah, it's been really, really busy times, but a great. It's been great, and I'm very happy for it and excited about it, Abs. And, uh, yeah, I did find my shirt, <laughs> and hopefully you can find yours too. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And this Mark Yusko video is freezing on me here. But guess what? Last Friday, we got a great clip from Mark Yusko explaining how he believes that the global elites, if they were going to choose any blockchain, he could see why they would choose XRP. And that is not clickbait for our listeners, guys. We already got 303 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to play this video and have a deep discussion about this. Mark Yusko and the elites, what does it all mean? That's interesting. I'm, I'm making this up in real time. The positive spin on this is if I'm the Rothschilds and BIS, and you can put WEF in here too, but, but let's just, just keep it clean for now. And I see Bitcoin happen and I see decentralization happen. I need to fight back. Well, what history has shown us is the Rothschilds don't fight fair. They get armed better than their competition and they win. They're kind of undefeated. And so uh, this is very interesting. So if they, pretty smart people, had a chance to look out at the available options and they chose XRP as opposed to Ethereum or, or something similar. Hmm. 
there's information content there. That That's interesting to me. So, Johnny, when I posted this on Twitter, Mark actually responded and said, just hypothesizing abs, not factual evidence yet, but fair to draw the conclusion. I'm going to give you the open floor and give my take. I <laughs> I think we gave Mark something to think about. There was no doubt about it. He had not thought about it that way or made the connections that we showed him were there with SBI, right? And I think now you got you set him down a rabbit hole. I can't wait to bring him back on the show a month from now and see what he actually dug up and what he thinks there. Because he was just shooting from the hip there with new information. But you can certainly see, you know, how you can draw the conclusion of maybe what systems could be there uh, to kind of combat decentralization. And I won't be surprised if he falls into that camp of thinking that that's one of the systems that could, could compete with that. And Johnny, the broader point that he was making overall is if if they see the decentralization narrative rising – they need a technology to combat that. And obviously CBDCs are like the, the army on the horizon. That's the one that you can see and say, let's put up our defense against that. But if they came in with a backdoor promoting decentralization on something like the XRPL, now I'm not even saying this, guys. This is all conspiracy. It's not Conspiracy Friday, but this is a conspiracy conversation here. Do you think it's most likely that that could be what's taking place? We know that they're invested. 8% of Ripple is owned by SBI. SBI is owned by an investment in the Rothschild Trust. What do you think? Could this be, you know, they're promoting decentralization, but in reality, it's just a, it's a Trojan horse to get through the gates. Johnny Crypto, you're on mute. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's certainly one conclusion that you drew that could be there. I, I think, again, as I look at it, though, you have to look at what the long-term big picture is in what particular um technologies can solve these longer term solutions of it. And you also got to look at what's being adopted and used today. You see a lot of big things happening around BTC and a lot of big things happening around ETH. To me, those two are still always in pole, pole position. And you want to make sure that you're kind of diversifying. That's really the key to success here is diversification into the different systems because none of us know which ones is going to win. So I would just encourage that you don't look at any one particular chain that's going to win, but look at it as a system of chains that's ultimately going to win. Well, there's a battle for dominance right now, Johnny Crypto, and Charles Hoskinson gave his take. We went through this earlier in the show, and we got a lot to get into, so I just want to read this very quickly. Charles was making the case that Cardano could become the backbone of a new digital system, specifically where you're not allowed to be evil. It, we're moving away from a trust system into a system of transparency, and Mark Yusko said that on Friday as well. But what Charles Hoskinson said is that decentralized governance is going to take center stage very soon. And I think that Cardano is going to become more than a cryptocurrency. It's going to become the backbone of a new digital nation, a new society, and a place where we can finally begin to trust each other again. A place where we do our voting, a place where our money lives, and a place where our digital life lives in every dimension and aspect of it because that much we deserve. Now, Charles Hoskinson is obviously promoting his project, Johnny, and the connection I drew this towards was when Stellar was working with MoneyGram saying, we're going to promote blockchain technology overall, but we know a lot of those conversations just happened on the XR, on XLM. So you give me your take. Charles Hoskinson, marketing campaign, or is there any chance that we begin doing our voting and storing our value on top of Cardano? Listen, he's the owner of that thing, and so he needs to promote what its capabilities and, 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 and possibilities are. So I'm not going to fault anybody that's promoting their own technology do i believe it no 
I don't think they're going to be, you know, everyone thinks I love Cardano. No, I don't love Cardano. I just, I just, I, I like the approach he's taking and how he's slowly rolling it out. That's the only thing I like about Cardano. Uh, do I think there's potential for that to have a place to play for Cardano to have a role? Sure. I do think, you know, when you take a guy that's come from, you know, developing Ethereum and knowing where the skeletons in the closet are or the weaknesses and developing a newer system that can be better. I believe he can do that because, you know, you learn human beings learn from their prior mistakes, developments, iterations, whatever you want to call it. We learn and, and you make things better. That's how you improve stuff. And that's why I like Cardano. I think it'll have a place to play because I think they'll find that they can make Ethereum, you know, a similar like smart contract system, but more efficient, faster, right? And, I, and, and lower costs. So that's for me the big reason why I always thought Cardano was worth putting some horses in my stable, right? Having them in my bags. And, uh, but do I think they're going to be the one true thing? No, I, I don't think so. Not at all. Apps. Not at all. Johnny, it's important to remember that by 2030, we are supposed to own nothing and be happy. And Andrew, this is an update talking about how American investors are more diversified than many people thought. And specifically, they hold a lot of cryptocurrency. So millennials are an age group that is most likely to have investments with 64% of American millennials investing in some way, shape or form. Their most common investment was in cryptocurrency just ahead of stocks at 38%. So 38% of these millennials hold cryptocurrency and only 37% hold stocks. I'm going to pause it right there. Can you talk about the shift that we're seeing? People are looking to hold their assets now, Johnny Crypto. This is a primary example. You know, what's very interesting about this, um, when you look at the shift from generation to generation, my parents' generation, so the baby boomers, right, they were all about gold. It was all about gold for them. And it was the gold, right, because that was the generation they came from. Stocks and in, 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 in electronic trading and all that just really didn't exist. It was hard to buy stocks if you weren't you know, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right? Um, so they were the gold generation. Then you look at my generation, the Xers, we're kind of more of the stock type stuff, right? And then you look at your guys' generation, the future generation, it is literally the digital assets, the crypto, the, the you know, and when you look at, um, you know, we were talking, we were in a, this is why Twitter Spaces is great apps. We were in a Spaces and it had all different types of generations there. There were boomers there. There were X's there. There were millennials there, right? And you know what I learned in that space? And I've said this once before on the show. They were all saying, the younger generation was saying, I don't want the gold that my grandpa's going to give me or that my dad's going to give me. You know what they said they wanted? They wanted Bitcoin or they wanted crypto. So you could step that. That's, so that stuff doesn't surprise me. That's exactly where we're headed is you're going to see the younger generation convert all the, all the and not all, but my point is you're going to see a, a good chunk of gold and silver and real estate that the that that are you know we're going to pass down to our kids or our grandparents pass down to the millennials and they're going to convert it to digital assets. They're going to go to crypto. They're going to get rid of the gold. I don't want this shit. They're going to buy gold. They're going to buy crypto. They're going to buy BTC. And so that's why I'm really really excited for the future of crypto because the younger generation is going to force themselves into it because they love it so much because they love the convenience of being able to have everything right here. You guys want everything right here on your phone. You don't want to carry no gold, no silver, no money. You guys don't even want to carry cash. You guys, you guys want the convenience of this. 
And that's why crypto is going to be huge in the future. Johnny, why, why don't ask an expert? We have an expert here in our team. And so I like to know from you, uh, uh, Tones, if you talk with your uh, friends uh, from, from more or less the same age, are they investing in crypto? Are they investing anyway? Or are they renting stuff? Are they saving money for, for later? Um, what, what, do you, what do you experience in that, that, uh, that field? So talking to my friends is definitely interesting because half of them have no idea what crypto is. And the half that do are invested in crypto, but most of them don't invest in the right crypto coins. Like a lot of them are invested in meme coins and stuff. They don't know where to exactly get started. But it is good to see that my age group is actually investing, whether it's crypto or stocks, because I've seen both my friends in crypto and stocks. And so more of them are definitely in stocks because they know that it's safe. They know that the regulation is there and they don't feel as worried. But with crypto, a lot of them are afraid that they're, go they're going to lose it all. They, they've told me they, they're afraid that it can go to zero. And so they're more wary about crypto and staying out of it. Now, a lot of people do see what's happening with the U.S. dollar and everything and my with how i am i go on rants with my friends about crypto and stuff so i mean personally i'm a very big advocate and when it comes to my friends i let them hear my peace of mind because i mean i feel like i know what i'm talking about and so personally with everything going on i think that more people need to pay attention to both the crypto and stock market world because i don't think any of it is going to go anywhere i think it's just going to grow and grow bigger and as more people realize that more people from my generation are going to start to invest in crypto especially as regulation comes along because it's the regulation that is scaring my generation at least out of it because they don't want to get screwed and then end up working all their life really hard so i mean it is what it is and like you need to know what you're investing in and be careful and yep. that goes for everybody not just one not just our my generation yeah great great friend. and where do you learn investing at the andrew cashflow smart investor course <laughs> two to five hundred dollars my friends and you need exposure to multiple projects one of the things we can we can draw uh, a similarity to in the back of our minds is in the past 90 percent of the money that comes into the bull market exits on the back end. And if you don't take profit off of that growth, you're just going to be like us. You're going to be sitting here waiting for the next bull run so you can do it next time. And that's why we created this product, Merlin, the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. 
It is the smartest way to track your crypto, guys. And the conversation that we were just having, NFT Tones, is are young people open to investing in crypto? It turns out they prefer it. And what's going to get people excited about this market is when prices start increasing. Whenever there's a bull market, we get a swarm of new investors. And this is some evidence of the massive amounts of money that are slowly coming into this market. Coinbase Pro just added the XRP and USD pair. The Governance Index Committee has given the green light to institutions. They can now buy XRP on Coinbase Pro. And Johnny, the first thing I thought of when I saw this article was the conversation we had with Quincy, where he discussed how price, it's not nearly as important as institutional volume. If we're going to see volume increase, we're going to see large purchases from places like Coinbase Pro. How do you feel about U.S. customers now having a place they can purchase XRP? Um. I mean, how do I feel about it in terms of what it means for the price? It's not going to do much, in my opinion, for the price. What's going to help the price is what we talked about with Quincy, is the increase of the daily trade volume from institutions, not retailers, remember? Retailers is not really important because retailers can't drive crap. It's the institutional trading, daily trading volume that matters. So you want me to get excited, you got to show me information that's driving up the daily volume trade by institutions, then you'll see me do monkey flips. I'll get really excited at that point. So I want to kick it to Andrew, but do you think this is one of those news articles that you've been waiting for? I'm going to read this headline again. Coinbase Pro is offering institutions an opportunity to buy XRP after approving the XRP and USD pair. If they're going to start using it for liquidity, the first thing they need is access to the technology. And I think that's what we're seeing here. I see you shaking your head, but listen well, to what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. The access to it is one thing, but the actual demand to use it is another. You need demand. You need systems that are going to say, I'm going to use this and trade it every day because, oh, we're exchanging between this system and that system every day. Or I'm going to use it for cross-border payment. So that's going to drive demand. Okay, where do I get it? Oh, good. Coinbase got something set up. Excellent. But if I've got a bridge, if I design a road, and there's no cars on the road. Who gives a crap, right? So what you're talking about here is the road. That's great. But now we need cars to have a reason to go from one place to the other. And that is what I'm looking for. That, to me, the demand is what's more important. Now, you got to have the bridges in place. So this is good news. Don't get me wrong that it's there. But I don't want people thinking just because it's there that it's going to get used. You know, it's like the, we were talking about this in China, right? They're building all those houses out there in China apps. They're all empty. Nobody's using them, right? So what good is it if it's empty? You want it filled. And what I'm saying is good news. But what really would be good news is to hear about what's driving the daily volume and demand. So that, that's all my point. Andrew, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. Um, I am going to play the remainder of this video. This is the vice president of corporate strategy at Ripple discussing how we're about to reach a tipping point for mass adoption. Here we go. And what's really encouraging is... 100% of the respondents agree that there are definitely benefits of using blockchain and crypto in payments. And 97% of respondents said they believe that blockchain and crypto will play a significant role in transforming payments in the next three years. So clearly, it is no longer a question of if, right? It's a more of a question of when and how. You know, when I started working at Ripple seven years ago, you know, there was still a lot of uh, like a skepticism and a question of does the payments industry really need a blockchain or crypto? But we no longer hear that question. It's really more about like when and how. And in fact, a lot of the people here in this industry believe that next two or three years is going to be a tipping point for mass adoption. 
This is the vice president of corporate strategy at Ripple stating that in the next two to three years, we will reach a tipping point for mass adoption. Obviously, we're talking about the XRPL during this conversation. So, Andrew, do you believe utility will begin to come into effect for crypto? Every bull run up until this point, utility has been part of the speculation. But it's videos like these that have never been a part of the narrative before. So how do you feel about the vice president of corporate strategy at Ripple saying we're only two to three years away from mass adoption? You know, as, as soon as banks start really to discover and they start and feel the competition of other banks that they can transfer money in a way cheaper way. And, you know, the, 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 the bank who implements it first have the most advantage because prices will go down, down, down all the time. But if, if your comp competition is still at high price, you can go a little bit lower and you will, you will attract the, 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 the utility, you will track the, 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 the people or, or the, the companies who want to transfer money, and that will go step by step. So as you see, more companies or more banks will come in, then price will drop a little bit more. More banks come in, price up. So it is a competition between banks, and it is not so much a competition between uh, uh, com uh, or companies or, 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 or the consumers. No, not at all. You know, we need a big use case. And what is a big use case? Either a lot of demand. And what is demand? Demand is, yeah, for example, cheaper prices read more earnings. That's Spot it. on, Andrew. And uh, Johnny Crypto, one of the things that Mark Yusko pointed out to us on Friday is that $7 trillion per year is how much the banks make off facilitating on-demand liquidity. So when we see guys like Jamie Dimon, the CEO and founder of JP Morgan come out and state anti-crypto uh, narratives, there's no surprise. $7 trillion a year is what the banks are making. So they have a $7 trillion incentive to not promote these technologies. I'd like to get your thoughts. She, we often say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Ripple knows the largest players in the world. Well, I wouldn't say that it's a $7 trillion uh, incentive. What it is is the ability to make the seven trillion even more profitable. Remember, they're charging fees on top of um to, to move stuff, right? But it's costing them a certain amount of money to do that. Well, we know you've shown many times on the show, crypto can reduce your cost. So if I'm making seven, if I if I was a total of seven trillion dollars, and I don't know if seven trillion was the profit or if seven trillion was the total volume, but let's just say for the sake of this argument, it's the total volume. And there's, there's, so there's seven trillion, right? And let's say their cost is 30% of that. Well, if you can get your cost lower because crypto may only cost 10%, you just, that seven trillion still stays. They ain't going to lower the cost to the consumer or to the, but they're going to increase their profit margin. So I this, can clarify some stats for you, Johnny. So the real statistics are $5 trillion a day are moved cross border globally. But $7 trillion a year is what the banks make in profit. So Profit, okay. So, so here's what happens. So that $7 trillion in profit has the potential to go even bigger. Because if I lower the cost to earn that $7 trillion, that means that $7 trillion grows, you know, gets bigger. Maybe it goes to $8 trillion or $7.5 trillion. So there's actually huge incentive there to go to, to crypto. The, the only reason why I, I think, you know, maybe you're hearing a lot of fun about it or why they haven't done it is because it, it's, it's an enormous, enormous uplift to change a system that's embedded throughout the entire world globally 
right? Globally, you're sitting there that every single banking system is operating on SWIFT, and that all needs to change up. Well, that's a big, big undertaking, and that's why I think it's going to take time to do it. But they're going to do it because they're going to just make that $7 trillion number even bigger when they get there. And they get more faster, simple system and more, more over, you know, control and oversight of what's going on. It's a no brainer in my opinion that it's coming. And Johnny crypto, we talked about this on Friday, but companies like BlackRock are turning into crypto friendly corporations. And we're going to see a lot more of that going forward as the digital ask, not digital asset vector, digital perspectives chimed in and gave us a live update on what BlackRock's been doing. And this is one of the narratives I think we're going to see a lot more of. The company stated emphatically that the ESG movement has gone too far and BlackRock will be a part of the solution to prevent its excess from destroying the U.S. economy. It voted to approve just 7% of the new proposals in 2023, down from 47% in 2021. So that is a major shift happening before our eyes. And one of the things that's important to know about ESG is pro-ESG is anti-crypto, but anti-ESG is pro-Bitcoin. And BlackRock owns four of the largest Bitcoin mining protocols in the United States. So much incentive for them to move in. I'm going to kick it to you and then Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually interesting to see BlackRock moving away from the ESG narrative. Or not moving away, but definitely reducing the investment, saying that, you know, it's like anything in life. The pendulum always swings, right? And what does the pendulum always do? Everybody always overswings the pendulum. And it overswing way too far into the ESG side. And I think what BlackRock is saying, whoa, 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 we need to slow the train down, slow, slow everything down. We're going to swing the pendulum back in the middle. And uh, so you're going to see them reduce their investments in ESG as it showed there. I think they went from 22% to 7% because it's just getting, like you said, some of the stuff is redundant. Some is inefficient. So, you know, good for them to see that they're pulling back on that. And like you said, that certainly does make a stronger argument for crypto. And by the way, what is BlackRock trying to get pushed right now through, through the SEC apps? Spot ETF. Spot ETF for Bitcoin. So, you know, it all kind of it all kind of meshes together and all makes sense when you connect the dots. And more importantly, it's why I think it's going to happen. And Andrew, something else that gets me excited about this. So first, our listeners should know BlackRock is a leader in Bitcoin mining companies, owning a majority ownership in four of the top mining companies in the United States. But that's not all that catches my attention, right? One of the things that really I really like about this is BlackRock said that these ESG standards are destroying the U.S. economy. What gets me excited as an American here is I'm often worried about the global narrative. Everybody is so progressive and so global that they're never sticking up for the standards in the U.S. How do you feel about BlackRock finally stating these are hurting the United States economy? That's why we're going to take a step back, moving away from globalism and turning into pro-America. Uh, mute button, Andrew. Hang in there, guys. Global, global is, is relative. Uh, I would more say it is the West the, or the, 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 the Commonwealth countries and, you know, where the, 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 the English-speaking countries. They are, they are more or less ESG and the rest of the world. Uh, take, take the gender discussion here. It, 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 it's also part of, uh, of the, this woke and ESG and, and, and environmental stuff and so. Uh, go to uh, a guy from the Middle East and ask how many genders are there he will say how many genders two i mean here i think you you can be everything you can be five six seven eight genders you know i don't get it anymore 
And but what I see, and of course I also study a lot of, of companies in in the US. Um, why is Disney the, the price of the Disney stock going down? Because a lot of movies didn't sell so well. They have strikes. Uh, there is a lot of a lot of un unrest. Uh, uh, we saw the, the the story from Budweiser, you know, Bud Light. Uh, we see uh, uh, other companies. Uh, McDonald's stopped more or less the the the, the commercial stuff around uh, around the ESG and gender stuff. You know, it, it's as from uh, from social. So uh, and what you say, Johnny, that pendulum is, is swinging. They're just trying it out. And on the other hand, I also think that whole ESG stuff is also a way if you have already so much money in the world it is a way to get more control over the people and, and th think think about it and, and that that's what we also see of course here here in the netherlands with with the farmers and they are all kicked out and it, it's 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 you know it's it's not so nice but uh i don't know yeah. how i came on this train of thought but uh okay that, that's my reaction here on uh, on, on eg we appreciate it, Andrew. And we got 360 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, one of the reasons that uh, BlackRock could be coming more crypto, pro-crypto by the day is Indian billionaire firm will now explore blockchain platforms and central bank digital currencies. Well, what does this have to do with BlackRock, Johnny? This development received further momentum with the announcement that BlackRock would be an official partner of the Indian central bank digital currencies. So JFS will consolidate its payment infrastructure with a ubiquitous offering for both consumers and merchants, further driving digital adoption for India. They'll also explore path-breaking features such as blockchain-based payment platforms and central bank digital currencies. They will adhere to the highest standards of security, regulatory norms, and ensure protection of customer transaction data at all times. Now, what's important to know is that Retail Reliance, which is the nation's largest retail chain, started accepting the CBDC during a pilot phase of 2023. This is going to be the first time that we are seeing a mass rollout to Indians all throughout the country. So, Johnny, the correlation here is BlackRock's involved once again. But what do you think? India, largest population on the planet. A lot of people think it's China. India has 1.5 billion citizens sitting there. So what do you think about this whole trial? I mean, it's, it's it's so funny. It wasn't that long ago that India was banning crypto as well. I don't know if you remember, Abs. Um, they were pushing it out, but they allowed the CBDC because that's where they want to drive everybody to. No surprise there. And this is just, you know, further proof that the CBDC portion of a crypto, you know, is coming. And no surprise to find that who has their hands, who's owning this, who's got the, who's playing in the sandbox. Let me guess. Yes. BlackRock. Of course. Again, whenever you see them tied to something, BlackRock, you know, they, they, they will always be uh, tied to, to the winning, you know, solutions in the future, or they, they put themselves in a position, right? They have the highest, largest asset managers in the world and they have the most assets in the world. So, you know, they're doing something right and they are seeing this and they're investing in it really, really early. How do I know it's early abs? I mean, take a look at this comment right here by my man, Verhoofty Floofin, right? Where he says he doesn't even talk about crypto with his family anymore because the family's still saying it's a scam. As long as that's continuing, people are still saying crypto is a scam. We're still early. Okay. Once everybody starts telling you 
like, oh my God, you got to get crypto. You know, everybody's got, everybody's getting crypto. My mom, I'm buying crypto. Grandma's buying crypto. Then it's over. It's too late, right? So this point, you see BlackRock and you see all the big companies moving into the space when everybody thinks it's a scam. That is that, you couldn't ask for a better indicator to tell you what is happening and where is the future moving towards. And so for me, again, super excited for this space that we're in. Now, this particular thing is more about CBDCs, and that's what I think is what you're going to see. Whether they're going to open up India to crypto, you know, decentralized crypto, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. It's going to be more of, I think, you know, a structured thing. But something's got to drive those rails. Abs. Something has to be part of that CBDC system, and that's what yep. we're trying to invest in. And it's important to remember, in 2017, BlackRock and JP Morgan were literally firing employees for purchasing Bitcoin. Here we are just five, six years later, and now they're fighting with the SEC to get a product approved so they can start making money off of Bitcoin. You can see how quickly times will change. And guys, this is an interesting and kind of a touchy subject here. As BitBoy Crypto was officially let go from, well, his name is BitBoy Crypto, but his real name is Ben Armstrong. Ben Armstrong was let go from the BitBoy brand over this week. And this is a topic I think is worth addressing because we've had him on our channel before. I want to preface this. We wish nothing but the best for this man. I'm only going over the information because I think it's relevant. I hope Ben's doing well. But with that being said, let's discuss this topic. This is a difficult decision. Is a culmination of a prolonged effort to help Ben during his relapse into substance abuse, as well as reconcile the emotional, physical, and financial damage he has done to the employees of Hit Network and the BitBoy Crypto community. The Bit Squad deserves better, and we're going to get through this together. This is a difficult decision, is a culmination of a prolonged effort to help Ben during his relapse into substance abuse, as well as reconcile the emotional, physical, and financial damage he has done to the employees of Hit Network and the BitBoy crypto community. So there's a couple of interesting things here, Johnny. I think number one would be, I'm surprised that the brand extends beyond Ben. Does that make sense? Like I thought BitBoy and Ben were synonymous. It turns out that the brand is owned by somebody else and Ben is basically like a character underlying the BitBoy brand. So You've got a lot of experience, 25 years as an engineer. This is an interesting topic. So I'm going to give you the floor and then I'll take, I'll give my take. Uh, well, so basically you think about this. So Ben made a start, started the company and the brand was built on him, but he had a partner or had partners. They all own the company together, right? So they formed this company, a brand name called BitBoy or BitNetwork, whatever they call it. And so, yes, Ben becomes a, you know, a character per se within that. And I guess based on whatever is going on behind the scenes there, abs, the, you know, Ben, Ben didn't, Ben obviously wasn't a 51% shareholder or owner. Now maybe it could be a publicity stunt possibly who knows. Right. But basically if you don't own 51% of your company, then stuff like that can happen. They, they, you know, they obviously, Based on whatever he's doing and whatever's happened behind the scenes, they decided to vote, you know, him off, whether it's off the show or out of the out of that piece of it. And and I guess until he resolves whatever issues he's going through, yeah, it sounds like they're making that move. Now the interesting thing is the Bit Network has grown, BitBoy Network has grown big. But if it's grown because of him and now they're removing him, it's gonna be interesting to see if it can, if it can, is it sustainable? Um, apparently the company or the people there think it can be, and they're going to continue to drive it. But the interesting thing is without him at the helm, you know, who, who, who knows abs only time will tell whether it can continue on or is Ben going to go and move on and do his own thing under a different name because he can't probably use BitBoy crypto. Cause that's already now 
part of this company. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. And frankly, like you said, I don't know what's going on there. We've had been on the show. He's been kind to us every single time he's been here. I wish him nothing but the best. You know, substance abuse is a very, very bad thing if that's what's going on there. And Ben, if you're out there, man, I wish, I wish you the best, brother. I don't want to see anybody go through that. And, uh, you know, we'll send him love and high vibrations to, to everybody out there in the world who needs it. And uh, I hope, I hope, you know, I hope Ben and his family are doing well. Another interesting thing I'd like to point out here, guys, is a couple of our listeners are commenting that it may be a publicity stunt. And it's not that it's not that that's not a fair assumption. Right. But as you can tell, look at what they've already done from a branding standpoint. They took Ben's face off the BitBoy Twitter account, which, again, I want to preface. I thought Ben owned these things. I thought Ben and the BitBoy brand were synonymous. Clearly, they're not. So, Johnny Crypto, you said it yourself. Can the brand survive without Ben? I think a, mil a million followers on Twitter gives them the best chance they could ask for. So I'm not going to ask you if you think the brand will survive, but what do you think? Do you think we'll hear from Ben again soon or do you have any experience? I, with this? I, I do think Ben is going to, whatever Ben, I don't know what's happening there. Obviously. I haven't been close enough following it recently, but whatever is going on with Ben there, I would imagine when he gets to wherever he's feeling good again, he'll come up, you know, come back up and whether maybe he'll go back to them or maybe he'll start his own new thing. Um, but I suspect you'll see the rise of Ben at some point, but right now, whatever's going on with him, I think what's more important is if there is a health issue, you know, he should focus on that. And, you know, as coach always says, you got to heal within, right? You have to heal yourself first. You have to love yourself and heal yourself before you can do anything else. So, uh, you know, again, whether it can survive or not, that's a whole separate question that only the people can decide. Because think about it, Abs, he was the face of the company. And if people were tuning in to hear from him, then no, they're going to struggle. But if people were tuning in and they're providing good content like we do on this show, and people love the show, then maybe it, it, you know whatever show content that they're putting out, there's a lot of capable people in the background there, then, then maybe it can survive, right? So time will tell. Um but if he is the majority shareholder, then I'm not sure how they could boot him out of there. That that doesn't make sense. So I don't I don't know. Maybe, and this is all complete speculation, but we only have two minutes left, so let's talk about it. Maybe Ben decided he needed to take a step back. Maybe he that, felt like that's God. another option. That was very well. He might have said, you know what? Maybe they all went to him and said, listen, you're the majority shareholder, but we think right now the best thing for the business is for you to step down, you know, go recover and then do your thing and come back later. That's also a really, real, real possibility, Abs, as well. Um, so again, I wish them nothing but the best. I hope, I hope they turn it around and get it, get it, get get things back on track. And hopefully, someday again, we can also have BitBoy here and talk about crypto and anything else he wants to talk about. On a more positive note, Johnny, I hate to end the show on such a sad and kind of sad story. I guess give me something fun that you did this weekend. How you feeling? Thirty seconds here. Any Merlin updates, maybe? Oh, man, we spent a lot of time with Merlin. I talked to a lot of Merlin customers this weekend, helping them out. They've been signing up left and right. It's been awesome. People are getting the app. They're playing with it. They're seeing the power of Merlin. So we're super excited, guys. If you haven't signed up for Merlin, get on the wait list below. We are going to be launching. We're launching to more and more people every single day. We're opening it up and getting it into your hands so you can have uh, the power of tracking your crypto back. Back, You know, you can make decisions, setting up your alerts and all that stuff, app. So. Really, really excited about it. It's been great, and uh, I just can't wait for more, more and more people to experience it. 
Absolutely, guys. And we got four, sorry, 349 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this thing out by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. And thank you to NFT Tones. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, bye.